Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of South Point Online. And today is a special day, and it is Mother's Day. And so what we thought we would do is hang out at home. I know that some of you might not be able to spend time with your mom or go travel to be with your mom. So we thought we would all just come together on, on mom's porch and do a little worship and get a little word so that we can all just get a little bit closer to God. Now before we jump into that, let me, let me say this. A lot of people have been asking me, when are we going to meet again? When are we going to come back together as a church? And I, will, I have an answer. Here's the answer. As soon as we can. But thank you for joining us and I hope and know that you're going to have an amazing Mother's Day right where you are. So let's worship together. Come on. darkness I was rejected and cut off from hope I couldn't see his love for me they said he's not who he seems don't get your hopes up for healing but life fell away when I saw his
Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Yeah, failure won't define me, cause that's what my father
Sweet peace 
You know, South Point, I always speak to you guys on Mother's Day. And since we can't be together in the building, I thought I'd invite you to my front porch. This is one of my favorite places to be. And that's pretty much because this is where my family lives. And I love my family. I have to say, I love my family. But how many of us in the last couple of months have said, I need a minute? I mean, you know, I need a minute. And actually, that's not even typical for me because I'm normally not the kind of person who wants to be alone. I don't go shopping alone. I don't do things alone. But even in the last couple of months, I have found myself saying, I need a minute. I need some alone time. So one morning I thought, you know what? Maybe I should drill down on maybe what I mean when I'm saying that because that's not naturally me. Maybe and So I thought, you know, maybe it's my God moments that I'm missing. Maybe it's worshiping together that I miss. I really enjoy being able to be at church and, and hang out with my friends and be with my favorite people. In fact, for worship, I actually, I'm in there all three services as much as possible because I love it that much. I love worshiping together that much. All of that Sunday situation breathes life into me like you have never seen. I, I, I just I thrive on it. So maybe that was what I was missing. But the longer I thought about it, I think I realized that what I was missing was my actual God moments. Our, our schedules have been so disrupted. They have been just thrown to the wind. The kids are home from school and we're working from home and we're videoing and, and getting ready for services and doing videos and doing lives and all these kind of things. And my schedule was just not what it, not what it used to be. Now it's more of when I get up in the morning, my, my schedule used to be I would get up in the mornings and everybody would be gone. So I'd have a few minutes to read my Bible and listen to some worship music, maybe even on the drive um, on the way back to church or to the office. But recently I've found myself when I wake up, all these people are still in my house. I can't get rid of them because they live here too and they're doing their things here too. So I'm realizing that what I had lost was my most important moments of the day. Sometimes I just need a minute. My hope and my joy and my peace are found in spending God, time with God every day, even if it's just a minute. Sometimes it just takes one moment with God to get what we need and to find out what it is that He wants for us to have that day. So today I'm going to take a very well-known story out of the New Testament. It's in Mark 4. It's the story of when Jesus and the, and the disciples were on a boat we pick up this story right after the disciples had spent the whole day listening to Jesus teach people. They were ready to have a minute. Jesus was ready to have a minute away from the crowds. You know, isn't it good to know that even Jesus needs to know? Sometimes he even needs a minute. He, he was a human. He had feelings just like we did, and he needed a minute. So in Mark 4, we're going to read verses 35 through 39. And um, they're going to be on that note sheet that you can download. It's, on, it's in the chat boxes. Just get on there and read those together. But it's also going to be on your screen. This is what it says. Later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. After they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from the shore with him as he'd been teaching from the boat. And there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, I want you to remember that word. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern, resting on a cushion. So they shook him awake, saying, Teacher, don't you even care that we're all about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush, 
calm down. And I want you to hear these words. All at once, the wind stopped howling and the water became perfectly calm again. I want you to notice there are two suddenlies in this story. The first suddenly was the storm. Some Bible scholars say that this storm was not a normal storm. They have storms on that lake, but it's, some Bible scholars say that this storm was actually a demonic storm. It was meaning that that means that the enemy brought this storm to them because he knew what was on the other side of the lake. He knew when they got to the other side of the lake, there was a man there who had been demon-possessed for so many years and that Jesus was his only way out of that life. And, and the enemy knew that if, they could keep him, if he could keep them from getting there, then he could keep that hold that he had on that man. But Jesus had a different story. He had a, he had a different uh, reality for him. So I want us to think, what might be on the other side of this storm that we're in, this storm that we're all in, this, this chaotic life that we're all in? Or maybe it's a personal storm for you. Maybe it's a personal storm that you're going through. What's on the other side of that storm that you're currently in Something that the enemy is afraid that if you get through this with Jesus still in your boat, his days are numbered. The enemy is going to have to be, is going to have to be put on notice that you and Jesus made it through this together. Now the second suddenly is when Jesus calmed the storm. The scripture says all at once. The, the, the verse says all at once. It didn't take hours or days for Jesus to calm that storm in the boat. The storm happened suddenly but just as quickly, he calmed it. He just needed a minute. Jesus can do more in a lifetime. He can do more in a moment than we can in a lifetime. Give him room to create a defining moment in your life. In order to do that, you have to make room in your ordinary to experience the extraordinary. You have to make room in your life for Jesus to be able to step in and do those extraordinary things. Give him that moment. So today I'm going to give you four steps. One, two, three, four steps to unlocking the extraordinary in your life. And we're going to base it on this story. So let's look at the first one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, recognize that you are not in control. Okay, I'm going to tell you this is a hard one for me. Craig talked a couple of Sundays ago about how one of his idols that was hanging from the root of his anger issue was control. If you didn't watch that, you might want to go back and check it out. It was really good, but control is a huge issue for me too. But my biggest idol is perfection. It's, control is, is linked to perfection for me. And I know that perfection isn't obtainable. I know that it has to be scaled. But when I scale it back, what I call it is done right. Things have to be done right. I have to have things done right. And I'm pretty sure the fishermen in this boat had experienced storms on this lake before. And they had the skills to do it by doing all of the right things. They had been through storms and they had processes that if they did the right things, they could make sure that their boat and their lives were saved. But even they were freaked out. They were thinking they were going to die. So sometimes storms come along that we can't control. We've got a process for handling a lot of things that happen in our lives. But sometimes something happens that comes along that completely upends our life. And we are completely and totally out of control because the things that we normally use to control our situations are not working. So the first thing that we have to do is admit that we can't control everything. 
Second thing you have to do is recognize what's in your boat or what's in your life. We don't all have a boat, but we all have a life. So what's in your boat or in your life? Like I said earlier, they had just spent the whole day listening to Jesus talk about, talk to people and teach and guide people. So you think they would have been calm because they had Jesus in the boat with them. They had seen him do all kinds of miracles. So why wasn't he their first thing that they thought of? Because they also had fear in their boat. When those two things are are in the same place, they are always at odds with one another. Fear and Jesus are always at odds with one another. It's up to us which one of those things we entertain. Which one do we give a minute to? The one that we lean into is the one that will overcome us. Are we going to lean into fear? Or are we going to lean into Jesus and trust him that no matter the circumstances, even when we don't, even when the things that we normally do are not working, it's our choice to lean into him instead of leaning into that fear. But this is a third thing. But to do that, they had to admit that they needed help. Now, that's hard for anybody to do. Admitting you need help is the second step in any and all recovery. If you go to, if you go to CR, if you go to, if you go to NA, if you go to any of those, the second step is admitting that you need help. The first one is recognizing that you have a problem. It's not hard for us to recognize that we have a problem in our lives. But sometimes it is hard for us to recognize and say, I need help. When they turned to him and they made room for him in that place, he brought the second suddenly to their situation. This is the second one I told you to notice when we were reading that scripture. This one is probably my Achilles heel along with control. I don't ask for help easily. Sometimes, like in the disciples' life, in this situation, life has to slap me in the face for me to ask for help. I'll tell you a story. When Craig and I decided to move to Florida, we um, were moving there completely on faith, and our pastor had given us the go-ahead to go ahead and, and finish up our job in Alabama and move to Florida. Craig already had a trip to India set. He was going to go in video for an evangelist and a, and a preacher that was going to go. He was going to go on the trip, and Craig was going to be the video crew. Our pastor agreed, absolutely, you should still do that. You should still be a part of that trip. So Craig took off to India, which would not have been a big deal, except that I was at home with my first baby child, one and a half years, just about a year old. And um, I was packing to move because we were getting ready to leave. We were getting ready to move to Florida. I was having to do three things, though. I had to have a yard sale to get rid of the stuff we weren't going to take. I had to pack to what was going to go into the storage unit. And then I had to pack to kind of be nomads because we moved to Florida, like I said, on faith. We didn't have somewhere to live. We were going to live with family. So we had to really pare down what we were going to have. So I was doing all this packing. I was getting ready for a yard sale. And I get a call from Craig. And he's in a country in, the, in India or around India, one of the ones that he had to travel through. And civil war broke out while he was there. So what was his seven-day trip turned into more than 14 days because all of the airplanes and all of the airports shut down. So he couldn't come home. So not only was I at home with this baby, trying to get ready to move, trying to do all these things, let's just add a little more chaos to that situation. My husband's out of town, out of the country, in a war that's then a place that's in civil war, made me a little nervous, I'll have to say. And then on top of that, cherry on the top, his grandmother passed away. She lived about 45 minutes from us, but we were the only family that lived close. 
So all of his family from Michigan and Florida all came to stay at our house while we were during the funeral week, during the time that we were processing the, the funeral and the wake and everybody being there. So recap with me, if you will. Baby, husband's out of the country, in a war-torn situation, I'm moving, packing, family comes to town, death in the family. I mean, how much more did it take for something to have to slap me in the face? And it was something that drastic that had to happen that made me realize that I needed help. And that although it absolutely killed me to have to do it, I had to reach out to Craig's family that had come to town. They helped me set up a yard sale. They helped me pack our stuff. They helped take care of Sierra while I was trying to do all these things. And amazingly enough, they even packed their car full. The ones that were going back to Florida packed their cars full to drive back to Florida so they could move some of our stuff. And we, we, we could actually buy a, get a smaller truck to put everything in. When I was in that moment, I had to decide what was more important. Was it more important for me to look like an independent woman that could handle anything that was thrown her way? Or was I going to focus on the bigger picture? And that brings me to my, my fourth and final point. The disciples had to change their focus. You know, the, through the Gospels, there are lots of times when the same story is told different ways. And different people tell the different stories. Luke also told this story. And in Luke 8.25, it says, when he was telling the story about this, about this trip and this storm, he said, Then Jesus said to them, Why are you fearful? Have you lost your faith in me? Have you lost your faith? We just got finished performing miracles on the shore. Have you lost the faith that it took for us to do that? And it continues. It says, shocked and shaken, they said with amazement to one another, who is this man who has authority over winds and waves that they obey him? They were looking at their storm and they were looking at their problems and they had lost sight of what or rather who they had in the boat with them. When I was in that perfect storm in my life, I was forced to look at those around me and realize that they were there to help. I just had to ask. It was on me to say, I need some help here. The disciples had watched Jesus heal bodies and mend lives and teach the world, but they temporarily forgot to look to him for peace. And that's when they took their eyes off the storm and put them on master that the extraordinary suddenly happened. He brought peace to their storm in just one moment because he just needs a moment. So let's recap. Even if we can't get out of the storms in our lives, there are some things that we can do to prepare our lives and get us ready for the extraordinary to happen when Jesus steps in. The first one is, that, that's a big one for me, recognize that we are not in control. Number two, recognize what's in your boat. Recognize what's in your life. Recognize who is in your life that can step in at any moment. Number three, you've got to admit that you need help. You've got to admit it. You can't just sit on the sidelines and cry and say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Who has God brought into your life that's there to help? And all you got to do is ask. And the fourth one is, we have to change our focus. We have got to stop focusing on the things that are going on around us, this storm that's going on around us. Focus on Jesus. Focus on God. Focus on that moment that you have with him every day. 
because storms are going to happen. Even when this pandemic is over, storms are still going to happen. They are going to come. Trust me. The Bible says there are things going to come into your life to make things hard and to make things rough on you. And why? Because we live in a fallen world where we have a real enemy who wants to take us out. He wants to keep us in that storm. He wants to take us out in that storm situation because he knows if we get to the other side that Jesus has some awesome and incredible things waiting on us. And he knows if we get to that other side, we're going to be so much stronger because we've been through this storm. No matter the source of the storm, we still know the source of our peace. If we just take a minute, slow down, and let him infuse us with his love and his mercy and that peace, all he needs is just a minute. Babe, why don't you come sit with me and let's pray and get on out of here. This is my husband, y'all. You want to pray? Sure, I'd love to. You guys just take a minute right where you are. I know it might be a little awkward because it's through the phone or your computer or TV or however you're watching this, but we just take a minute right where you are. Just close Mm -hmm. your eyes and just just receive this prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, and I thank you that you are in the boat with us through the storms of life. No matter what storm we're currently facing, you are with us in that boat. So, Father, right now, all of us, just take our attention, take a moment, and we give you our attention. We turn our back on the fear. We turn our back on the struggle. We turn our back on the the circumstances of the storm, and we lock eyes with you, and we just trust you that as we give you a minute, as we give you a moment, you can take mm-hmm. this moment and make it extraordinary. So, Father, we, we are looking forward to the extraordinary in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you hang up, how about we do the benediction, all right? Okay. All right, let's do it. Now, Lord, we just ask that the words mm-hmm. of our mouth, the meditations in our heart, that they'll be acceptable in your sight. You're our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a fabulous week. I love you. See you soon.